and hopefully to understand the scripture. You know, we talk about Christ. We love the Lord Jesus with all of our heart. This morning, we're going to talk about the Antichrist. Uh, it's not one that we love. It's actually an enemy. It's a foe. It's Satan's version of the Superman that we know as Jesus Christ. It's Satan's version of him. The Bible says that he will be the epitome. He will be everything, all of the characteristics, the fullness of Satan there in flesh on this earth and uh, will be used. And so the Bible calls him a beast. And I want you to look at just four scriptures this morning <clears throat> because there's so much that I cannot get in when we get into the book of Revelations. We've spent the last four weeks on just a few verses, so hopefully... Uh, four verses this morning. I would like to add that I do have six points, possibly a seventh. But uh, anyway, that was if you were here last Sunday. Look at verse 13. For all you that say I'm not going to get it today, I'm getting it in today. So anyway, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Chapter 13 and verse 1, Revelation. You got it? All right, it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. It says, and upon his horns ten crowns or diadems. It says, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. They worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning, and Lord, as, as Brother Craig has prayed, Brother David and Brother Brandon, Lord, it's all about you. We, we come here today to honor you, to glorify you, and to lift up the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we heard someone last night calling the darling Son. God, we love you so much, and thank you for a wonderful Savior that we have in him. Lord, today as we preach about this Antichrist and we share these things, God, he gets no glory. He gets no fame today. He will get no praise from this preacher or from this congregation. Lord, he is not worthy of any praise. He is not worthy of any worship or glory at all. Lord, it's all about your son. It is not about the Antichrist, but it's all about Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we ask you today that you would just help tune our hearts in together. Lord, that you'd bring us together in the same thoughts, in the same mind, God, most of all, in the same spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you do for us. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it. Amen. As you're being seated this morning, listen, uh, I'm going to try to go through this a little bit quick. It won't be really, really fast. It's never really fast, but I want to really get to the point this morning. And I want you to look. The first thing we're going to talk about is this, this Antichrist and his descent, uh, kind of like his origin, where he came from and his descent. Uh, he has to have a beginning, okay? Now, some people go, well, Brother Steve, he just kind of uh, appeared on the scene and all of this stuff. He actually culminates from Satan himself. It, it is, is a plan that's devised. And so I want to kind of go back. I'm not going to go back all the way into what we preached about the last four Sundays, but I do want to go back just a little bit. And I want to show you, first of all, look in verse number 1 of chapter 13, and you see those words with me again. John says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. So we see this beast <clears throat> rising to position. We see that something happening. We know that right now, not only are we in the middle of the book of Revelation, <clears throat> but we're also at this time and point in Scripture in the middle of what they would call the tribulation period. 
We're not in the middle of the tribulation. The Bible says that he is going to deliver us from the hour of wrath that is to come. We will be raptured out of here, and we will be in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. We will, we're not in the tribulation now. and This is not even, people go, well, this is the millennial reign. No, it's not. There is not peace on the earth right now like there's going to be when Jesus Christ comes to this earth, puts his foot on the sand and the sea, and declares that it is finished, right? No time will be no more, and we're not going to lag around. Everything is done, amen? Don't you like the scripture that the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that when God created everything, he said it is good. Don't you like it when you get over there that whenever uh, Jesus was there hanging on the cross that we know that he said what? It is finished. But when you get into the book of Revelation, what is really cool is that it actually starts changing to these words, especially in Revelation chapter 21. He no longer says that it's good or that it's finished. He says it is done. Amen? And I don't know about y'all, but listen, when your wife or when your husband's out there barbecuing or your wife's got a nice uh, a soup on the, on the stove out there, you can go by and sample it and you can go, you know what? It's good. You know what I mean? It is good, right? And then all of a sudden you could say, it is finished after you get through getting it all. You know what I mean? It is finished and it's time to eat it all up. But isn't it great when you can sit back and maybe unbutton a button or so? Huh? Not everybody has and wears stretchy pants and not everybody should wear stretchy pants either. Uh, that's just, that's free advice for you, especially in Walmart. This, you have to get over this phrase. We're in a bad phase right now. And uh, listen, all of a sudden, when it's done, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm done. I'm finished. That's when you throw the napkin in the plate and you go, man, that was awesome. Someday the Lord is going to say it is done. It's done after we've enjoyed all of what heaven and the beauty it has to offer. Amen. Looking at the scripture, the Bible says the beast is rising up out of the sea. Some people say, well, Brother Steve, where did he actually, what does this actually mean? The Bible teaches us that even the sea, especially the troubled sea, that it represents wicked nations. It represents sinful people. Did you know that years and years ago, thousands of years ago, that they actually looked at the sea as some kind of evil beast at times, and they would not even go and set sail on it because why? It was claiming the lives of people. Now, we kind of are at this stage in our lives right now where uh, we know everything. Everyone in here knows everything. Ask a 16-year-old. Everyone in here knows everything. We got everything whipped. We've got forecasts that tell us how the day is going to be. My especially favorite, my most favorite forecast was a couple of weeks ago when they were talking about all the rain and all this stuff that was coming in. Anybody remember the rain? Anybody need some more, right? <clears throat> no, it needs to go to other places, right? Remember, I was sitting there, and I was looking at this, and I like to watch uh, Mickey on uh, Fox 6 just because he's goofy. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to get a weather report, you ought to get a good joke because they're boring. And so I'm trying to sit there, and I'm listening to it. And then the younger guy comes in, and he says, we're going to do a forecast now that's actually called a, a, uh, um, a visual or sight forecast. And I looked at Patty, and I was like, well, what, is, what does that mean? It was a new terminology. And so I just took it as this. We're going to walk out, and we're going to look in the sky, and we're going to go, yeah, it's raining. And we're going to forecast that for you, right? Well, that's when I turned it off, and I figured that I could forecast it for myself, right? Because we know everything, but there was a time that the people looked at the seas and said, no, they're wicked. We don't need to go into that, 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 that tempestuous sea, that, that boisterous wind that's going on. So we don't need to get into that. And, and Scripture even uses that and tells us, Bible says, as he saw this beast coming up, we look back at one verse. If you've got your Bible there, look back at chapter 12, verse number 17 real quick. And it says that the dragon, talking about Satan, was wroth with the woman. He was angry. He was fiery, 
mad at the woman. It says, and he went to make more war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we've left off last Sunday with knowing that Satan is mad. Why? Because he has now been kicked out of heaven. He has no access to the throne. The Bible says all of heaven is praising God and saying the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Amen? He's not able to go and do that anymore. So we know all this is going on. So as Satan is cast down from heaven into the earth, now we pick up with this verse, and John says, And I stood on the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. He uses this word beast coming up out of the sea because it's coming out of those wicked nations. The Bible talks about in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse number 20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters, what, cast up mire and dirt. There are many scriptures that reference the wicked people of the world being like a sea that is boiling over and waves are tossing every which way because they're, they're portrayed as a wicked people. And the devil has this beast, or the dragon has this beast coming up out of the sea into this wicked nation that's going on. All of this stuff's happening. And you say, well, Brother see, why would you think that, that the sea itself represents the wicked and rebellious and those who have rejected Jesus Christ? You say, why would you think that to be all of that? Why wouldn't it be just this one person? Some people say, all right, Brother Steve, is the Antichrist the whole group of everyone? as the kingdom itself, or is the Antichrist just one singular in doing that? Well, the scriptures tell us that it's actually referred to in both ways. If you look at the scripture, there are times that it talks about the Antichrist being a capital A Antichrist. Never in the book of Revelation do we see that word, capital A Antichrist. He's always referred to as the beast in the book of Revelation. But in 2 Thessalonians, it talks about him being the Antichrist. In other scriptures, it gives us the understanding. And Jesus even said this. He said, in those days, there will be many coming in my name. They will be Antichrists. They will be lowercase, saying that they are the Christ. And he says, if they say that Christ is in the wilderness, do not go there. You know what Jesus was saying? Let's break it down in country terminology. He said, listen, if they tell you that I'm in the wilderness or I'm in the desert or I'm in the mountains, he said, no, that's not true. I'm at the right hand of the Father with my Lord, amen? So if you look at the scriptures, it says that it can be grouped as a whole group because why? It's a kingdom. Let me ask you this question. When you think about Nazi Germany, back in the days of, of communism and Nazi Germany, what one name, every time you hear Nazi Germany, what one name pops into your mind immediately? Hitler. Everyone knows that. Because why? That is associated with him because of his evil ruling. It actually, the evil kingdom of that is associated with him. The same way with the Antichrist. As that Antichrist comes out of this wicked sea or this wicked kingdom of people that are rejecting Jesus as their Savior, Brother Nick, he also stands alone as a capital A Antichrist. If you understand what this means is that we have Christ, which means the Messiah, the anointed one, okay? The word Christ meaning Mashiach, the Messiah, the one that was prophesied about that would come and do what? Take the sins of the world away. We know that. 
When you put that word, that prefix at the beginning of it all, antichrist, it's the exact same thing that you do in your vehicle every year whenever it gets cold around here, is that you don't have water inside of that radiator, but what do you put inside that radiator? You put antifreeze in there. And why do they call it antifreeze? Because the beginning prefix of it means that it negates that it's never going to freeze. It's just not going to happen, so it negates everything. So when you talk about the antichrist, he deserves no glory. The Antichrist does not deserve a t-shirt with his name on it. The Antichrist does not deserve any promotion or any praise in this earth. And when people do that, they are negating the true Christ, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the Bible says that this kingdom rises up, but he's always called a beast. Do you remember back, and I'm going to go quick with this. Do you remember back back in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, the Bible says around the throne of God were 24 elders, and they were all sitting on thrones and had crowns upon their head. The Bible says that whenever they gave praise unto God the Father and to the Lamb that stands in the midst, which was slain but is now standing again, the Bible says those 24 elders, which is a representation of Old Testament believers and New Testament believers, they bow on their knees and lay their crowns down at his feet. What a day that's going to be, amen. But the Bible also tells us that around that throne, do you remember these words that there were four beasts that were around the thrones? I told you that that word was translated in the Greek that it was four living creatures. One had the face of a bear or or a calf. One had the face of a man. One had the face of a lion, all this stuff. And we talked about that, and I told you that that was those angelic hosts that were standing there that were praising God for everything. But as they looked to the Father, the reflection that John saw on them was the image of God's dear Son as the image of one that had the image of the lion showing that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The one that had the image there of that calf or that ox, it was that he is the greatest sacrifice. He is the, uh, what do you call, the burden bearer he toted the load all the way up to Calvary, man. Anybody here this morning? Anybody up since 4.30? Anybody had any hard candy? If you do, pass it around, Amen. Listen, the second one, or the third one was this. The Bible said had the face of the, of, the, uh, uh, of the man. And the Bible says what? That he was called the son of man, and he is the son of God that died for our sins. But the Bible says that last one was, it was a face of an eagle as it was flying. I don't have to tell you about that. Craig's already told you about that, amen? And so they were reflecting that. But when it uses this word for beast, it is not living creature. No, this word beast is a descriptive word. It is a description of his attitude and his characteristic. It's not some little nice puppy dog. No, it is a beast. As John said, I was standing on the shores of the sea, and I looked, and as I looked over there, I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. And if you look at the scripture, you say this, well, John, what did you see? I saw A what? A beast coming up out of the sea. He saw something, church, that literally, when you think about this, it moves us and disturbs us. Daniel wrote about it, a prophet, thousands of years before John ever was. Isn't that a good book that you got? Thousands of years before John was, Daniel wrote about it. You know what Daniel talked about? He said that it was a horrible beast with one little horn. He said that it looked like this and it looked like that, but he said it was a dreadful 
thing. It stirred Daniel up to where he became concerned about the last one. Daniel lived in the days where Babylon ruled. Daniel lived in the days of the Medo-Persian. Daniel lived in that slavery and in that suffering. But Brother Carl, when he saw this kingdom rising as a prophecy that was going to be fulfilled later on, he was disturbed and stirred in his soul. He said it was dreadful. It was horrible. It was just something that you did not want anyone to endure or to go through. Look at this other part right here. The Bible says, now this is the weird part. Y'all hang on there with me, all right, or hang in there with me. The Bible says he had seven heads. I don't know about y'all, but I've always said anything that has more than one head's a monster. You know what I mean? That's the same way with, you know, just anything in your life. You got, you got more than one head, you know, it's a monster. It's, it says it has seven heads. Y'all hang with me, y'all. Y'all don't look like this is not some Pink Floyd album, okay? Um, but it says seven heads. But look at the next thing. It says he had ten horns. And it says, and upon his horns there were ten crowns or diadems. You look at that. This is not a Stephanos crown, which was a crown that faded. These were ones that were actually those where he was saying that he actually had a kingdom-style crown. Seven heads, ten crowns, and ten, horn, or ten horns, and then ten crowns on the horns. And then the last thing, look at it, it says, and upon those things, it says, the names of blasphemy. If you look with me and think back just for a moment, in biblical, in biblical scripture, you'll understand that those kingdoms that were wicked in the past, that we went from Egypt all the way to Babylon, or excuse me, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and then Rome, and then the Antichrist. You count them all up, you'll understand those seven heads and those divisions. I don't want to fear you, make you fear, or terrify you. I want to stir you up to where the Holy Ghost of God moves in your life. But I want you to know something. If we're looking at it from that kind of view, where we had the Egyptians and we had the Assyrians, and then we had the Babylonians come in. Then after the Babylonians came in, we had the Medo-Persian Empire. After they came in, Alexander the Great came in, right? After them, in the Grecian Empire. And then what took place next? Roman Empire. And if we know that the Antichrist is, we're talking about seven coming in, how, how closer do you think we are to the day of the Lord coming? Listen, how close do you think we are? We should be sounding this as, as loud as we can and telling people about the coming of Jesus. The Bible tells us that they had seven kingdoms. Look, the ten horns, what do they represent? They represent this political alliance where they're all going to work together. The number ten itself means completion. The number seven means perfection. That doesn't mean that the kingdom of the Antichrist is a perfect kingdom like we would go, oh, it's wonderful and blissful and all that. What it means is, is that Satan has devised his perfect plan together and it's also a plan that will be completed. He has a purpose that he's going to be doing these things. The Bible even teaches us that behind those rulers of the days of the Babylonians and other kings and stuff that ruled over those empires, that Satan, which was in that time demons and angels, it says that he worked through those people. That the angels of the devil and the demons, that they actually consumed these people and that they were driven by that force, amen? Just like you and I today are driven through what? The Holy Spirit of God. We have the indwelling of the Holy Anybody have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God? And we have that. But then look at this last thing. It has ten victorious crowns. In other words, it's representing this victorious power that's actually not real. It's fake, but it, it actually is something. You say, well, why would it be fake? Because look at the last part. It says that he has seven heads, ten horns. So seven heads being what? Perfect kingdom. Ten horns being what? Perfect power and authority. Looking at this last thing. And ten crowns upon the heads, the names of blasphemy. This kingdom is not going to be one that honors God. This kingdom is going to have written over it everything that dishonors and blasphemes the name of God. 
How many of you ever heard the story in the Bible where this woman was barren, all this stuff was going on? The Bible says that the people of Israel were in sin and that Ichabod was wrote over the door. And Kabod means this. It means that God is with us, the presence of God. But Ichabod, when you put that prefix in the beginning of it, it means the Lord has departed, that he's not there. And do you know what? I've heard preachers preach. I've heard people testify that God's wrote Ichabod over churches and Ichabod over America and Ichabod over nations and Ichabod over all of these things. Let me tell you something. When Satan's empire and his kingdom rises in the hands and in the ministry of the Antichrist, that's what's going to be pronounced that's what's going to be done they're going to cause people to blaspheme the name of God to reject the holy name of God church we need to really really pay attention look at what second Thessalonians chapter 2 says it says in verse 3 or 4 let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first when you look at this scripture church look at it for a moment it says that day shall not come what day shall not come that beast will not rise up out of that sea except something happen God's got a plan Anybody worried about God not having a plan? God's got a game plan. God's got a wonderful plan. But it says right here, let no man deceive you. Don't let somebody preach this to you. Don't let somebody tell you this. Look at the scriptures, amen. It says, let no man deceive you, for that day will not come. It shall not come, except something happen first. The falling away and the man of sin be revealed. What is it talking about, the man of sin being revealed? After that three-and-a-half-year point, you understand, in the tribulation, here comes the Antichrist on the scene declaring what? I'm God. God's not God, but I'm God. And listen, he's even called this the son of perdition. The Bible says in the next verse, verse 4, it says, He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He's going to deceive all people. Listen, church, look, we understand his descent. His beginning, his origin came from what? From the dragon, from Satan. It came from evilness, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in just a minute. And listen, I'm excited, and I know y'all are just grabbing a hold of it, but I'm just telling you, just hang in there, and later on you're going to get it, all right? All right, eventually, eventually you're going to get it. Look at the next part right here in the verse number, or we're going to talk about it in verse number two, but we're talking about his dominion and his power and his kingdom. Listen, look at verse number two real quick. It says, And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. It says, And his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. I don't know what goes on in your brain, but I always get to share with you what goes on in my brain, or, Brother Mitch, sometimes what really is not good and happening in my brain. But when I read this, I think, about, I think about Dorothy and Toto and the lion and all that stuff. And as they're going to Oz, you know, and they're going, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You know, did anybody watch? Anybody watch The Wizard of Oz? Listen, and they were a lot. All he needed here is a tiger. You know what I mean? The Bible says that there was a leopard, there was a bear, and there's a lion. And I think about it as, a, you know, leopards and lions and bears. Oh my, what are we going to do? You look at this and you say, what, what was John, what in the world was he seeing? What was, it, what was going on in his mind? What, God, please give us the understanding. Seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns and, and on, on top of all those heads, names of speaking blasphemy, all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden he says that it was like a lion and it was like a, it was like a bear and it was like a, 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 a leopard, all this stuff. And you say, what is it? Listen, years ago, Daniel wrote about it in Daniel chapter number 7. 
Daniel wrote about the empires that were going to come and were going to be the enemies of God. Not just the enemies of Israel, but they would be the enemies of God. And if they're the enemies of God, church, they're the enemies of what? Of the whole world. No matter what religion they are, they're the enemies of the whole world. The Bible says that Daniel laid it all out. But here in this scripture, the Bible says John saw, what's the first thing he saw? He saw the leopard. When he saw the leopard, what was he talking about? He said, this empire that's coming up in the hands of the Antichrist out of the sea, he said, this empire is very similar to me. It's very similar as I look back and think on these things. It is swift and fast as a leopard. We know that Alexander the Great and the Greece, uh, the Grecian Empire, we know that they were labeled as being swift. Did you know that in Alexander the Great's life that he sat down and wept at one time because there was no more places to conquer for him? Did you know that he was known as one of the youngest and the fastest to conquer nation after nation after nation? And did you also know that he died at a very young age? Listen, you know why? Because he was doing the work of the devil, not the work of the Lord, but yet he was conquering. He was coming in and would kill everything, kill men, kill women, kill all of this stuff to overtake these countries. And he did it so swiftly that they called him Alexander the Great, and he was in reference as of being a leopard, like coming in with that fast speed. Look at the next thing. The Bible says that this image of Satan or the Antichrist had the feet of a bear. Do you know that the Medo-Persian Empire, that they were ones that was talked about their kingdom was that they were so strong and so brute in force, but they had an appetite that could never be satisfied. They were eating and eating and eating and eating as they came in and conquered and conquered. The Bible says that John says that third one, he says it reminds me of a lion. And if you look all the way back, we even have the effects of all of this around us today, but it's the Babylonian Empire was referred to as a lion because of their regal, because of their uh, majestic way that they ruled, as they ruled as in, in forms of gold and, and wonderful things of the earth, and they came in and conquered. Now, you're looking at this, and if you're a study or you're someone that's a scholar of the Bible, you're going, Brother Steve, John says a leopard and a bear and a lion. That's backwards. Did anybody notice that? that that's back, backwards. I need to say it like that. That's backwards. Because why? Listen, John said it was the leopard and what? The bear and then the lion. But Daniel, when he prophesied, he prophesied about what? About a lion and a bear and the leopard and then that kingdom that had an unruly or a dreadful king. And some people look at our scriptures and they go, see right there, that's where we've got you. We've got you caught now because your prophecy does not add up. It doesn't add up because he said it this way and he said it that way, all right? But let me show you something. Daniel, when he was prophesying about what God told him to write, had no idea and had no reference to look backwards at these things. He was looking forward at what had not happened yet, and he was seeing them as they were going to come and as they were being laid out to all of Israel. But John is writing this from what? Seeing all of this stuff standing on the shores of the sea, and he sees the beast rise up. He is looking backwards now at how they came 
came and it was, look, it was the leopard and the bear and then the lion. It's not a mess up and it's not a misprint. It is actually beautiful because there are people in the Old Testament looking forward to the Messiah coming and dying for the sins of the people. But here we are in the New Testament. We're looking backwards at what Jesus did at the cross for us. Amen. Your Bible's not a phony and don't listen to the liar that tells you it is. Amen. It's true, but you have to rightly discern it with the Spirit of God. Daniel speaks from looking forward. John speaks from looking backwards. Amen. Listen, eventually, someday, we'll be able to speak from looking when we're upward, we'll be looking downward, amen? Listen, this beast has a similar seat. Look at the last part right here. We've got to go. We've got two more verses to cover and a baptism to do. The Bible says, And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. If there's one thing I've told you over and over and over that Satan wants, it is a seat of glory. Satan wants a seat of glory, and he will whisper in your ear the same way he whispered in Eve's ear in order to tell you that you could be as God's. And he wants a position, and he wants to be praised, and he wants to be worshipped. The Bible says the dragon gave what? Gave his seat and his power and what? Great authority to this devilish, satanic antichrist. That everything that the antichrist is doing is bringing glory to the devil. Now, I want you to know something, that Satan is a counterfeit. Satan is a liar. He's a murderer and a thief, but he is a counterfeit. He cannot come up with his own plan. He must copy another plan. And the plan that has been copied is that Jesus Christ said these words, If you've known me, you've known the Father. Because I and the Father are one. I have come to bring glory unto your name. The Bible says in John chapter 17, Jesus begins to pray. And he begins his prayer by saying, The hour is now come to glorify thy name. He said, I have glorified your name in the earth. And now I will continue to glorify it. And he says, now it's come for you to glorify thy name. Jesus, listen, when he came to this earth, it was all about two things. Number one, his Father's will, just like Madeline sang about this morning. Number two, it was all about saving the lost. Amen. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Don't you like that it says that which was lost that which and not that which is lost. Amen. Because I was lost but I is not lost anymore. Amen. Listen the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 9 if you don't believe that Satan has a kingdom and has power in this world today, even Jesus Christ understood it. He said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, And saith unto him, These things, Satan said, Jesus, these things, all these things will I give to thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. He said, I'll give you all of this, but look at the next verse. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. And I love this. I love this. If you're fighting a battle with the devil, you don't need to fight it with your thoughts. You don't need to fight it with some preacher's words. You need to fight it with what's written in the Word of God. Amen? He, Jesus says, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Notice something real quick. When Satan said, I'll give you all of this, Andrew, he said, I'll give you all of these things. If you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus, if it would have been this way, could have turned around and said, you know what? None of this stuff is yours. You don't have any authority. You don't have nothing. You don't have a kingdom. You don't have a seat. But listen, all of that is true, but it's that he don't have a seat or kingdom or authority in heaven. Amen? But on this earth, God did what in the beginning to Adam? He said, all of these things that I have created, I have given you dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air. Praise God. Don't you like fried chicken? God's given us dominion over them. That's why we eat them and they don't eat us. 
Come on, you ought to get a little bit excited, amen. When you go to Cracker Barrel this afternoon, you sit down and they lay that fried chicken out on the table and you look at it you go, that's right. That's because I am created in the image of God and I have dominion over you. Amen. You can name them if you want, but listen, it ain't good to name them. Just eat them. Listen, we've got, we've got dominion over that, but Satan came in and deceived Eve. Adam was not deceived, the Bible says, but Eve was deceived. And whenever she was deceived, Adam full out, blown out, sinned against God. He knew better than to do that, and he sinned against God. And therefore, Satan became known as the prince of this earth. But it don't belong to Satan. It don't belong. Listen, it never belonged to Adam, amen. It belongs to God. The earth is the fullness, and the Lord's the, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. Listen, but Satan came in and deceived him with the least agreement. Now, all of a sudden, he says, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. Listen, that's why I'm not Jesus. Never, never could I ever be Jesus. Because you would have seen it where the next verse would have said, and he looked unto him and rolled his eyes. Seriously. But you know why Jesus didn't do that? Because he understood Satan to be the prince of the powers of the air. Listen, rulers of wickedness in high places, he knew that. He understood that. Jesus had the authority over that kingdom, but he understood that, church. You know what he says in John chapter 14 and verse 30? He says, Hereafter I will not talk with you, much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world talking about Satan. See, Satan actually thinks he has all of this authority and dominion. But now, think about how he's going to think in the tribulation period. Are you with me? In the tribulation period, when all of the earth is being flipped inside out. Think about first three and a half years where he offers peace. And he offers this kind of wonderful life. And you come and trust in me. And, and listen, I will be able to help you with governmental issues, political issues. I'll help you with religious issues. I'll help you with funds and with money and with food and with, with the, the denarius, all this stuff. And when all of that's going on, and then when Satan puts himself in the synagogue and he says, I'm God and you're not God. You're not God, God. I am God, and I'm worthy to be worshipped. And all of a sudden, all of those people realize as they look at him that that is not the truth. And now he is angry. And all of a sudden, because he thinks he has a throne here in heaven, it all comes true that what, Brother Craig, is that Satan's worst dream is coming true, that he doesn't have a seat of authority in heaven. And so, therefore, he is not God, and they're seeing him not as God. They're seeing him for who the devil, that he is the son of perdition. And all of a sudden, Satan roars at them and comes ready to devour them like a leopard, like a lion, like a bear. And he's coming after them because he's the prince of this world and wickedness. So you think for one moment, I know you right now don't really understand it, but if you're here, and God forbid you are, you're here during that tribulation time, you're going to see this kingdom rise up. And you're going to see this antichrist that appears on the scene. And you're actually going to think he has dominion. But don't be deceived. The third thing is this, the deception. Let's look at his deception. The Bible says in verse number 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded unto death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. 
Bible says that he looked. When John saw it, he said, I looked. And he says, and one of his heads were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. Daniel talks about this, about a little horn that appeared up, talking about that it had a wound. And when you look at this, you go, all right, brother, see, I, don't, I don't understand this stuff. And let's, let's look at the scripture real quick. Listen, one of his heads had this deadly wound. The beast that rises up from the sea is from that, what, multiple nations of wickedness. And all of a sudden, he seems to come in. And as he's being brought in, he's brought in what? Out of wickedness. He's not brought in like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was brought in here. Listen, I don't mean to say this wrong way, but by nothing. No man brought him into this earth. When he came, he came from a virgin that conceived of the Holy Spirit. God the Father brought him into this earth with a miraculous birth, and he appeared on the scene. But Satan's Superman comes up out of the sea, and as he comes up out of the sea, what it means is is that he's coming up among us. Are you listening? Did you know that only 10 years ago that 40% of the United States people were surveyed and the 40% or 100% were surveyed, but only 40%, 40 of them believed that the Antichrist was real and that he was alive now in their day? If that's true and the Antichrist is here and he is among all of us, I hope and pray that he's not here in the service today unless he wants to be saved. But if he is here among us, among all of this world and all of these nations, did you know that that means time is actually shorter than what I talked about in the beginning? So really, Steve, I just don't know if I could believe that. Listen, do you believe that Jesus, when he was born, there wasn't much said about him till he was 12 years old in the temple? Do you believe me when I say unto you that, that he was 12 years old, was one of the last times he was ever teaching and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, whenever he turned 29, 30 years old, that he comes on the scene? Do you remember that? Listen, we didn't read a whole lot about him during those periods of time right there. Some people go wonder why. Because he came to fulfill a mission, and the mission was as he was going to the cross to save us from our sins. Listen, the devil is going to rise up out of this earth. We don't know when it is, and we don't know who it is. Did you know that there's so many people that actually have tried to pinpoint who the Antichrist is? Did you know there's even some women in here that's probably thought their husband was. And I know there's definitely some men in here that have thought their wives were. People think that. They do. Listen, uh, Mussolini was called the Antichrist. Uh, many of our United States presidents were called the Antichrist. There were many popes that were called the Antichrist. There was all kinds of leaders. Hitler himself was called the Antichrist. People say it over and over and over. They even have people today that predict that Hitler's the one that is the Antichrist. He's going to come back because he has a fatal wound in his head and all this. We look at this, and we're trying to pinpoint this person out, and that's not what God's called us to do. God's not called us to pinpoint who this person is. Because why? Because Jesus said to us what there will be many that come in my day in that day and say that they are Christ so we're not to sit around and try to figure that out we don't need to figure out who the counterfeits are we need to know what the real one is so that when the counterfeit comes we know that's a counterfeit amen and when you look at the other part of the scripture it says this is what we should get from this one of his heads was uh, whereas it was wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed I want to give you this word if you wanted to write it down you can but it's a Greek word called spazo and it's s-p-h-a-z-o spazo and it means this it means to slaughter or to slice the throat. And that scripture right there that says that he had a wound and it was a wound unto death, when it uses the word wounded, it actually is the word spazo uh, that means that his throat was cut. Now, we understand it says that he was wounded in the head, but what it means is, is that he was dead. And when you look at that, you go, well, what does it really matter, Brother Steve, if the Antichrist does this? Well, as long as the Antichrist is just one regular man that rises up out of the sea of the multitude of people, he cannot declare himself to be God at all because he has done nothing 
thing that is God-like. Even if he was to turn water to blood like Moses did with the rod, if he was he would turn and bring frogs, or even if he was to turn around and bring the flies and the lice and all the pestilence, he would never be God. He could never be that and never be known as that. Why? Because of what Jesus set as the standard. God willing, not that we should die, but that he would send his only son to die for us. And therefore, what happened? Do you remember what Satan got so mad about last couple of Sundays? That Jesus did what? Not that he came to the earth, but that he ascended back to the throne. Amen. He wasn't mad because Jesus came and died. He was angry because he couldn't hold him in death. And Jesus ascended to the Father and is sitting there. And he's got the seat that Satan's always wanted. So now we look at this scripture and we go, all right, well, why does it say right here that Satan had this wound, this spazo, this deathly throat-cutting thing? It's because he needs something to kind of teach the people that he's God. And so what does he do? He counterfeits. And he mimics what God's already done. Do you know why we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and not just the Son of Man that he declared to be, Brother Carl? Do you know why we know that he's the Son of God? Because he turned water into wine? No. Because he healed a leper? No. No, 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 not that. Because he healed sick people? No. The Bible says that Peter, walking by sick people one day, the shadow of Peter hitting those people, they were healed. How about that? Huh? Healed. That because of what? Faith in Jesus, not faith in Peter. Amen. But listen, what made Jesus different? He came out of the grave. That's what made him different. That's what we understand to be the Son of God. You say, why? Because the prophecy says, Thou wilt not suffer thine holy one to stay there in hell. Amen. He brought him out of the grave. Good night alive. Somebody ought to wake up earlier. And that's why we're here. We're here because he is resurrected, living. He loved me, but dying, he saved me, right? We're here because why? He was not just wrapped up in grave clothes and then left alone and stick him over there, Sister Megan, to rot and his bones are still over there. No, we're here today because it's empty. Because on the door of the tomb that I have been to says he is not here. He is risen. That's why we're here. Amen, brother. Yeah, it's either amen or, oh. And I don't understand how we get bored with that message. Satan mimics that. It's such an important message that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ dying and being resurrected that Satan thought it was good enough and powerful enough, I think I'll use that for my antichrist also. Brother Edward, he couldn't come up with his own thing. Can't come up with his own plan. Listen, it's almost as if Jesus is fishing in this one hole over here and Jesus is catching fish and the devil can't catch anything. No one take offense to this, all right? And so they come up and sit in that seat and just throw right there in the same hole. Anybody ever do you that way, Nick? Mine's mostly Patty, right? Mostly my dad. Listen, Satan can't come up with it. And so you say, what's so important? I'm glad you asked that. I really love that. I love the, uh, our, our uh, interactions Sunday morning. When I say something, people go, why is that, Brother Steve? And then they go back to sleep. <laughs> why? 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 Why spazo? Why that word? It's not the same word as wounded, that he had a wound that was healed. 
and the world wondered after the beast. It's not the same word. Why, why did it say that he had a wound there, wounded unto death? Shavazo, why did he say that? And I pray, I say, God, why, why over and over? Why is it that word? Revelation chapter number 5, the Bible says that Jesus is standing at the throne, in the center of the throne room of heaven. John is crying because no man is worthy to open and loose the seals of the book. The Bible says an elder grabs John, puts his arm around him in the, in, in the way that I think about it, and it says, you know, why are you weeping? He said, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed, amen, to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And it says, I love these words, it says that John saw. In other words, after that man told him that there was hope, he evidently drew, had to turn around and look, and he says in the next verse, and I saw in the midst of the throne a lamb standing as it had been slain having seven horns. We're talking about perfect power, perfect authority. You know what that word was? It says, I saw a lamb that had been slain. Sphazo. It's the word that they had taken him and literally cut his throat and killed him. That his life was poured out of him. And now here's Satan. Satan thinks so much about the salvation of our souls and the Son of God that he comes up with not his plan, but he steals and robs that plan. And he says, my Antichrist is going to do that. Why? Because he needs someone to deceive. He needs to deceive people. And so look at these last things. The Bible says he's a counterfeit. He's a liar. We're going to go through. Listen, Revelation chapter 11 and verse number 7 says that when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends up from the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. The Bible says that this same beast comes up out of the bottomless pit. This is another thing. Listen to me. Don't, don't close me off. This is another thing. See, not only was he Shvazo, where he was killed and wounded with death, but in this scripture right here, we know from chapter 11, it says that the beast not only came up out of the sea, but it says also that he came up out of the bottomless pit. You know what that means? Not at the same time. He made it look like he had died and went. He couldn't go down into the lowest parts of the earth and deliver people captive out, church. He couldn't do that. But no, what did he do? He went back to where he is, listen, that bottomless pit, and came out where those demons were, and he came out as though he was resurrected. And now he's ready to rule as a king. And he is not deserving of that. You say, brother, see, what does all that sum up to be? Satan is a wannabe God, but he'll never be God. He's a wannabe God, but he'll never be God. Here's the last thing, the world's delusion. The world's delusion. And this is where I close, Brother Brandon. You can go ahead and come on. And, and uh, even those that are going to be baptized this morning, you can go ahead and step out quietly if you would. I want you to listen to these scriptures, and I'm going to go through them kind of quick. And I want you to know this also. We don't have service tonight. But uh, I encourage you to come back Wednesday night, and we'll try to go back and teach some of this stuff, okay? I want you to look at verse number 4. It says, And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with them? If you look at that scripture real quick, evidently a lot of people getting baptized this morning. If you look at that scripture real quick, the Bible says that they're going to be worshiping the beast. And look at these words that they choose to say. Who is like unto the beast? And who is able to make war with him? Listen real quick, and Brother Britt, if you've got it, you can put it up there. But listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, Remember you not that while I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth work already. The iniquity and the mystery of sin. It says, But only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. You know what that scripture says? 
that the mystery of iniquity of sin, that sin is working right now, and the Antichrist and his kingdom is working among us now. But the Bible says, but only he that leadeth will let it happen. In other words, what it means is, is the Holy Spirit of God. As long as the Holy Spirit of God is here, it's like he's, I told you, he's holding back those things. It's not going to happen until what? Until he is taken out of the way. Amen. But listen to these words. It says, and when, excuse me, and then shall that wicked, talking about capital W, wicked be revealed, talking about the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, talking about the Antichrist. It says, with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because why? They love not the truth. It says, excuse me, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, and that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You look at that scripture and you're tempted to say in the verses before that God sends them strong delusion. So is the Antichrist and God working together? No. No. God is not working to set with Satan to accomplish his plan. Let me tell you something real quick. God does not need Satan to accomplish his plan. God is not created. Satan is a created angel that fell. God doesn't need him to accomplish his plan. The Bible says God's sending them strong delusion. When you reject the truth of God's love, then you will be deceived by the devil. Because if you don't receive the truth of God's love, then you have to have something else to bring it in. You have to have something else to put out there. You've got to bring it in. And that's what's going to happen is you're going to believe a delusional lie of the Antichrist. And it says that those people would be damned because they believe not the truth. But they would rather have pleasure in unrighteousness. Church, you say, that's tough. That's hard. If you look at the scripture in chapter 13 and verse number 4 as we close, it's the last thing. You look at the scripture, I promise you, you'll see these three things right here. Satan has a desire. And you know what his desire is? His desire is to be worshipped. His desire to be worshipped. And they worshipped the dragon that gave power to the beast. The Antichrist, Brother Wes, is bringing glory to the devil. And the devil is just taking it in. And there he stands. He's like, yes, people are worshipping me. Look at the next thing. Not only does Satan have a desire, but he also has a delight. He's satisfied. Delight means a happiness. Look, words. Look at the words that were spoke about him. Look at them right here. It says, who is likened to the beast and who is able to make war with him? Those are words stolen. Stolen words. Those are not words that belong to Satan. And we should not say those things about him. The Bible talks about in Exodus chapter number 8, verse 10. It says, there is no other God like unto our Lord. It says in Exodus 15, 11, who is like thee, O Lord? Psalm 71 and verse 19, with an exclamation, he says, O God, who is like unto thee? In Psalms 89, verse 8, who is a strong Lord like unto thee? Micah chapter 7, verse 18, who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity? 
Who is a God like unto thee that passes by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? Who is a God like unto thee who retains his anger forever? Who is a God like unto thee who delights in mercy? See, those words, the reason it delights Satan so much is because that's what the people of God have declared about the Almighty God. And now Satan's going, say it again. Tell me again what kind of devil that I am. Oh, there's no devil like you. There's no beast like you. And no one is able to make war with the beast. And he's rapping, He's loving all of this stuff. But he says over and over, there's no God like unto thee. Church, let me tell you something. You get to the bottom, you get down and out, and you get discouraged, you'll find out you can't go anywhere else but to him. And there's no God like him. But here's the last thing, and I want you to see it is that Satan also, not only does he have all that delight and all that stuff, but he has a demise that's coming someday. He has an end that is coming. And he can't even hardly see it. Amen? I want you to look at the Scripture. They. They. You say, I, I, I lost you. They. What, what does that have to do with his demise? It's everything. Who is they in the Scripture? It's the world. It says that the world is going after this beast. Sister Gellett says that they're running to him. And let me tell you something, folks. If there is ever a time in the whole world's life, Brother Edward, that it's ready for this one kind of leader to step on the scene and say, I can solve all of your problems. Come to me. You bow to me. Come to me. I can do that. It is now. The world is ripe for this Antichrist. And it says in that verse that the whole world is going after the beast. The reason that he has a demise, and I see a demise in this scripture, is because who is it that's saying this stuff about him? It's they. It's the world. You see, church, Satan's already got kicked out of heaven. And there's no one in heaven bragging on him. There's no one in heaven that is giving glory to his name. In heaven, they are standing around the throne, sister Lord, and they're praising God. In heaven, there are people bowing down and laying crowns at the feet of Jesus. In heaven, they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In heaven, they are saying, hallelujah. In heaven, they are there looking at the characteristics on those four living creatures. In heaven, there is God the Father seated on the throne in his spirit with a scroll in his right hand. In heaven, there is a son who is a faithful son that went and surrendered his life and died on an earthly cross but yet was resurrected victoriously. In heaven there is a man by the name of Jesus who bears the marks of sin. He is not wounded in the head. He is wounded in his hands. He is wounded in his feet. He is wounded in his side that was opened up and poured out what? Blood and water. You say how could that happen? Because when someone dies from cardiac arrest the Bible or the history and medical people teach us that in the paradigm, uh, cardia, uh, the sac around the heart, that it begins to fill up with water because there's so much stress. When they opened his side, blood and water flowed. But let me share with you, it goes much deeper than that. Whenever they would go in and they would offer the sacrifices on Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement, that priest would take the blood and he would pour it on the altar. And as he poured it on the altar every day, they would go down during that Passover season, during the Yom Kippur season, and they would go to the Pool of Siloam 
them. And they would drag all the people down there and they'd blow horns and trumpets and they'd praise God. And that man, that priest would dip that wonderful silver vessel down into that water and bring that water up. And when they walked back, they'd praise God. They had a good time. And they would go over there and Brother Brandon, all that blood that was on that altar because of the sacrifice of that lamb, they would open that thing up and they'd begin to pour that water on top of that. And it would move, listen, because they needed another sacrifice. But Jesus, on the day that they were having that wonderful festival of boots and the wonderful Yom Kippur days, Jesus stood up in John chapter 7 and it was a solemn assembly. When they began to pour the water, the people got as quiet as North Highland Baptist Church. When they poured the water, Jesus hollered out. It says, said with a loud voice, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and I will give him the water of life, water that will be like a fountain, amen, bursting inside of him. I will give him freely of the water of life. See, the reason that Satan has a demise is because this whole world can praise him throughout all of their certain amount of time that they have. But he will never be praised in heaven. He will never be glorified in heaven. Listen, so many of us today are calling and saying, I want to make a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. I want to do this and I want to do that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the legacy you can leave is. To your kids, dads, working hard is a wonderful characteristic you can leave them. That ain't a legacy. Moms, them being well-mannered and great citizens is a wonderful characteristic you can leave them, but it's not a legacy. And the church needs to stop worrying about how we're going to leave this world and leaving a mark so that people remember us. Because if all they remember is us, we're just another name in the cemetery. But if they know Christ because of you, they come to Christ because of your testimony. That is leaving a legacy. Listen, Satan has his demise. and They can praise him all they want. But who is a God like unto thee, O Lord? Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning. Say the things that David said and some of the psalmists said. Who is a God like you? There's none. No one. And none like you. Lord, there's none that's made of wood or stone or metal that's like you. There's none that has given their life so that I could have life. There's none like you. God, stir up the children of God. Stir up the saints of God in this church today. God, if they're not stirred about what they have, I pray that they seek revival in their lives. Lord, for us that are just trying, Lord, to preach the truth, and so many just, Lord, God, things that are going on in our lives and try to distract us, help us, Lord, to focus all the time that there's not a God like unto you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word, to be able to preach it, to be able to speak it. God, I ask you that you just be with us. Lord, it's invitation time. In Christ's name, as we stand, I want you to put one scripture on there, Brother Britt, and it's the last scripture, John chapter 5. I want you to look at this scripture and I want you to notice what Jesus said. Jesus said that he come in his Father's name. And that people didn't receive him. He said, I'll tell you what, if another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. And Anthony, Jesus is talking about the Antichrist. He said, I've come in the name of the Father and you don't even listen. You don't believe me. 
He said, but if the Antichrist comes because of your unbelief, if the Antichrist comes, he says, you're going to believe him. Man, that's sad. That's horrible. Some of you today, you look at me and you go, Brother Steve, you're excited and I love you and I love your passion about the word and I love all that. That's great. And you know, that's wonderful. And man, I appreciate all your love and I appreciate all the prayers. But if you don't go away today understanding more about Jesus and more about what he's done for you from someone who has come in the name of Jesus, then you're going to be deceived someday when another person comes in their own name. You're going to follow them. Because you got to go one way or another. Well, Brother Steve, I don't have to choose. Yes, you do. You just did then. You have to choose. So listen, you can either choose to praise him for who he is, or you can choose not to praise him and reject him. But at some point in time, he's got to be one or the other. We should never forget church. We should never, ever forget. While they all may be worshiping and praising on the earth, someday we'll all be gathered in heaven. We'll praise him and saying, there is none like you. There's none like you. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God moves on 